Hey everybody, this is Pedro Chung, and welcome to Bible Sumo Weekly, a Bible study podcast for everyday Christians. We are continuing our study in the book of Genesis and a life of Joseph. Episode title, Judah's Plea for Benjamin. In our last episode, we had looked at Genesis chapter 44, verses 1 to 17, and we saw that Joseph planted his silver cup in Benjamin's sack. And we read Joseph telling his brothers at the end of the passage, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man, that is Benjamin, in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. And we had said last time that Joseph knew full well that the brothers would never be able to return and go back to their father in peace, Shalom. For if they had returned to their father, Jacob, without Benjamin, for the rest of their lives, they would remain in anguish. Now, what follows in today's episode is perhaps one of the greatest speeches in all of Scripture. In fact, Donald Gray Barnhouse, in his commentary, he calls Genesis chapter 44, verses 18 to 34, the most moving address in all the Word of God. Now, before I read this monologue, let me review the life story thus far of our new protagonist, Judah. You remember that Judah was the fourth son born to Jacob and his first wife, Leah. Now, remember that Jacob had two wives, that is, Leah and Rachel, and he also had two concubines. And in total, it is recorded that he had 12 sons. Now, Joseph and Benjamin were born to Jacob's second wife, Rachel. Now, it was Judah who said to his brothers back in Genesis chapter 37 regarding Joseph, Judah said, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. Now, there are some who believe that Judah here is being merciful to Joseph, but Genesis 37 actually gives no commentary to Judah's intentions. The narrator did say that Reuben, the oldest son, he had the intention to save Joseph when he had persuaded his other brothers to throw him into the pit instead of killing him immediately. And so when Reuben had returned and saw that Joseph was gone, not in the pit anymore, Reuben tore his clothes. And you had remembered in our last study the significance of tearing one's clothes. Now, I think we can just as easily assume here that Judah actually had no benevolent intent with the selling of Joseph. And in fact, he probably made the suggestion that, hey, if we're going to get rid of Joseph, we should at least get some financial gain. So Judah wasn't really looking after Joseph. He was just looking to get some additional gain if they were going to do this dastardly deed of getting rid of Joseph. Now, it is this same Judah, then, that runs away from his family at the start of Genesis 38, and recalled in our previous study again that he marries a pagan wife, he breaks his promise with his daughter-in-law, and he solicits a prostitute. But in the start of Genesis chapter 43, we see that Judah begins to emerge as the new leader amongst his brothers. 
and he will gradually overshadow Reuben, the eldest brother. You recall that Reuben had failed to persuade his father Jacob to send the brothers back with Benjamin in Genesis 42. But it was Judah at the start of chapter 43 who speaks up to their father Jacob and gives his surety guarantee. Now, let me remind us by by reading what he had promised to Jacob. For uh, Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy, that is Benjamin, with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. From my hand, you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And of course, we know that in response to Judah's speech, Jacob relents and he parts with Benjamin and releases him to go with his brothers to Egypt. And so now we come to the second half of chapter 44, and we see here that the brothers returning back to Egypt to accompany their youngest brother, Benjamin. And when all of them return to the house of Joseph, The first to speak is none other than Judah. And we'll see here as we read Judah's plea for Benjamin that there are four components. First, Judah asked Joseph for a favorable hearing in verse 18. Second, Judah reminds Joseph of their first encounter, verse 19 to 23. Third, Judah reports their father's distress, verse 24 to 29. And fourth and finally, Judah offers himself as Benjamin's substitute, verses 30 to 34. So let me start by reading verse 18, Judah asking Joseph for a favorable hearing. Then Judah went up to him and said, O my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself." So what Judah is saying here, he's asking the prime minister, please hear my case. Don't get mad at me at what I am about to tell you. I understand you've got the power of Pharaoh himself. And so should I stir you to anger, I acknowledge that you have the power to severely punish me. So now that Judah has asked Joseph for a favorable hearing, he goes on by reminding Joseph of their first encounter beginning in verse 19. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servant, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. So here in the second part of Judah's plea, Judah is reminding the prime minister of Egypt of the conditions that he had set on Judah and his brothers during their first encounter with him several months ago. And now here, and for most of the remainder of this passage, we see the narrator's use of recapitulation. 
Now, I want to remind us again that unlike today, when we can type or use as many written words as we want without cost, there was very limited space with scrolls. So for the author here to repeat these details a third time, it indicates that this author is purposefully using a literary device using repetition. The first encounter of this account was back in Genesis chapter 41, when the author, the narrator, describes the brother's first visit to Egypt. We read this encounter again a second time when the brothers reported back to their father on their return when they were back in Canaan in Genesis chapter 42. And now we read these details a third time in the form of Judah's plea here in chapter 44. So whether the details emphasized here in this third and final recapitulation? Well, first, Judah reminds Joseph there is the father, who is now an old man. There is the youngest brother, who is beloved by the father. And the youngest brother had another brother, who is presumed dead. And so this beloved brother is the only one left from the woman that their father had loved. The prime minister is now informed that this youngest son cannot leave the father, for if he leaves, their father would die. But the prime minister gave the condition that unless the brothers returned with their youngest brother, they could not return to see him back in Egypt. So Judah continues his recapitulation beginning in verse 24 when he reports their father's distress. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me. And I said, Surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. So again, these events that Judah recounts in his plea, they are summarized again using recapitulation. The author first described this interaction between Judah, his brothers, with their father was in Genesis chapter 42 and 43. But this interaction is again recapitulated here in Judah's plea. Again, let's look at the details that are emphasized here the second time. First, Judah mentions that they tell their father of the prime minister's stipulation to bring back Benjamin with them on their return trip. Their father then asked his sons to go back to Egypt to buy more food. The brothers then said they could not return to Egypt without Benjamin. Then it is emphasized that Jacob reiterates the reality that his wife, Rachel, had only given him two sons. One has left and was torn to pieces, that being Joseph, and the second being his only son remaining, that is Benjamin. And Judah closes with his father's words, If you take Benjamin and harm befalls him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol, that is, to my grave. Now let me read the final section of Judah's plea, 
where he offers himself as Benjamin's substitute, beginning in verse 30. Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then, as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. And your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became surety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. What an enormous plea for clemency. Judah here is not asking that Joseph overlook the sin and transgression. He's not asking Joseph to just flippantly forget about what had happened and move on for the sake of their father. We now understand the reason for this recapitulation. Judah had to beg their father to let them return to Egypt with their youngest brother, Benjamin. And the only way that their father would part with Benjamin to return was if one of them would become the surety for him. Now, I have substituted the King James Version, which translates the Hebrew word arav with the English word surety. The English Standard Version, the ESV, translates arav as a pledge of safety. This same Hebrew word arav in its noun form was used back in Genesis chapter 38 when Tamar asked Judah for a pledge. Remember back in Genesis 38, Judah didn't have any money with him, and so he promised to send Tamar a young goat from his flock. But in response, Tamar asked for a pledge. She asked for surety. She asked for Aravon. So Judah, as surety, gave Tamar his seal, his cord, and his staff. So we see this concept of surety where Judah gives his seal, his cord, and his staff as a promise, as a guarantee that he will, at a future date, give Tamar the compensation with the young goat. So just as he had to give a pledge, an aravan, to Tamar, Judah had to do the same thing with his father. Judah explains that the only way that their father would part with Benjamin was on the condition that one of the brothers would become Benjamin's surety. And Judah tells Joseph, I am the surety for my brother. So what Judah now proposes is an act of vicarious punishment. Judah proposes to be a substitute. He says, let me take his place. Let me act as the surety for my brother. Let Benjamin go for the sake of our father and take me as his place. I will be your forever slave. So Judah offered himself as surety for his brother. Now, what exactly is this offer of surety? Well, this offer of surety is the promise of being a guarantee 
to cover someone else's debts. And the supreme surety that is provided for the people of God will one day come from the descendants of Judah. Jesus is our surety. Jesus is the one who takes upon himself the debts that we owe to our creator God, the King of Kings. Jesus is the one who stands in our place. It is Jesus who is the one who substitutes himself for us in bearing the just punishment of our sins. And we call the atonement of Christ a vicarious substitutionary atonement. Now, the word vicarious, it means something that is done to us by someone else. In other words, if I experience something vicariously, I'm not actually experiencing it of myself, but rather I am experiencing it through the experience of someone else. So we see here that Judah is offering himself as surety by submitting himself to slavery so that the presumed guilty one, that is, the youngest brother, Benjamin, he might be set free. And similarly, it is Christ Jesus who came to set the captives free. It is Jesus who binds himself to the law and the judgment of God so that he may set free those who have been held captive by their sin. So we have here in Judah's plea, a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a picture of vicarious punishment. Now, there are two other individuals that I can think of recorded in scripture that have made similar pleas. Moses, when he pled for God's mercy toward the idolatrous Israelites, he says in Exodus chapter 32, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. In other words, Moses here is pleading to God to have mercy on his people who have just sacrificed and worshipped to the golden calf. And Moses was willing to give up his spiritual life if necessary. Likewise, the Apostle Paul, he wrote in Romans chapter 9, and let me read, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. But Judah, Moses, and the Apostle Paul, they didn't need to follow through on their plea of substitutionary atonement. First, they were not capable. Second, they were not qualified. And third, they were not needed. Only one person was capable. Only one person was qualified. Only one person was needed. And that person is our Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder a title commonly ascribed to Christ Jesus is the Lion of Judah. So, what caused this change in Judah? 
I mean, this is the same brother that willfully sold his brother Joseph to slavery and rid him for financial gain back in Genesis 37. Well, I think what caused this change was the God of mercy. Judah encountered God and his infinite grace and mercy in Genesis 38. You remember in Genesis 38 that Judah had committed three major sins. First, he had married a pagan wife. Second, he broke his promise with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. And third, he solicited a prostitute shortly after his wife's death. But God bestowed grace and mercy upon Judah. You recall that we learned in Romans chapter 9 that God has the divine prerogative to choose to whom he may bestow mercy. And here with Judah, instead of taking the child away like God did with King David and Bathsheba, God opened up Tamar's womb to twin boys. And through Judah's firstborn son, Perez, will come the promised Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the same promised Messiah, Christ Jesus, who will fulfill the law and serve as our vicarious substitutionary atonement. Judah experienced the mercy and love of God. And as 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 states, we love because he first loved us. So at the end of this great speech, this powerful plea, Judah makes the offer to the prime minister of Egypt to keep his vow and to be Benjamin's surety. Thanks for listening to Bible Sumo Weekly. For more information about me or this podcast, visit our website at biblesumo.com. We're going to take a bit of a break, but when we return in our next episode, we will continue our series in the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph, where we'll see Joseph's response to Judah's plea. Follow and subscribe to our podcast to listen to our Bible studies each and every week here at Bible Sumo Weekly.